Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast, where we look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of the songwriter. Each week, we make a connection with a music maker, listen to their songs, and hear their stories. From Nashville, Tennessee, here's your host, Dave Lenahan. I hope you're doing well, and we thank you so much for uh, tuning us in, downloading the podcast once again. Thanks for joining us. I've got a great, great songwriter <laughs> with us today, and I'm so excited to have Jan Buckingham. Before I introduce you to her, um, I want to talk about our sponsor, which is Discover Sooner. And discoversooner.com is the place you want to go. If you're a songwriter like me and Jan, uh, you know one of the hard things to do is make those connections and get to know other songwriters that you can collaborate with. How about publishers that might be interested in getting your song placed, or maybe you want to publishing deal. Well, that's what Discover Sooner is all about, getting you discovered sooner. You know, I've heard it said that it's not who you know, it who it's who knows you, right? So you're going to gonna get known. Um, so discoversooner.com is where you want to go. You can set up a profile there and meet other writers and publishers. This is all thanks to Nancy Deccan, my good friend who is on uh, episode two here in season two. If you haven't heard that episode, check her out. She's a great songwriter, publisher, and the CEO of our new sponsor, Discover sooner. So thank you, Nancy, and uh, we thank you to check them out. Now, let me tell you about our guest. It's Jan Buckingham. Jan is a hit songwriter. In fact, also a Grammy-nominated hit songwriter. So let me give you a little taste, like uh, this song that I used to play on the radio all the time when I worked up near Cleveland, Ohio. This is Lee Greenwood. Right there, isn't it? Love it. And then I was in uh, Cincinnati when I played this song a few times. Well, I said he had a lot of potential. He was only misunderstood. You know, he really didn't mean to treat me so bad. He wanted to be good. And I swore one day I would tame him, even though he loved to run hard wild. Oh, yes, big hit for Pam Tillis. And our guest uh, co-wrote that song with Pam and her husband at the time, wasn't it? Bob yes, DePiro. Yes. Hi, Jan. Welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> How are you today? You look great. Well, thank you. I'm feeling good. Good. That's good. I uh, do appreciate your time. Uh, tell us, let's start with that song. We always go, uh, uh, the stories behind this song. So there's got to be a song. And Bob DePiro, what a great, funny guy. Oh, and, and You and Pam were close too, right? And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She used to live about three blocks from me and... We wrote a lot of songs together. You did, didn't you? Back in the day. And I called her one day to tell her something. She wasn't home. Left her a message. And at the end of the message, I said, Pam, hey, why was Cleopatra always saying no? Because she was the queen of denial. (laughs) You know, and I hung up. About half an hour later, I guess Pam got home and heard it and called me and said, Jan, you got to come over here right now. We got to write that. So we did. I'm in. (laughs) Amen. That's great. There was another song by Pam Tillis that you wrote that I absolutely love. And I think the first time I saw you here and around in Nashville, you did this song. And I was like, Oh, Blue Roses. Blue Oh, I thought she wrote that. That's an awesome song. Yeah. Yeah. You do that ever anymore? Uh, I do that song a lot. lot. Yeah, and there's a story behind that too. I was digging in the dirt Mm -hmm. in my front yard planting flowers. And I looked up and here comes Pam and Bob up my drive. And I said, what are you doing? They go, Jan, it's 10 o'clock. We have a writing appointment. I was like, oh. So we went inside on the side porch and started talking about flowers and roses. Blue roses. And that's how we got it. Blue roses. Great song. Wonderful. Thank you. You've got such an interesting story. You've done so much, Jim. <laughs> I mean, from a teacher to a flight attendant to staff writer. You are a publisher, a songwriter. You've worn a lot of hats. I did, and I was a stand-up comic in Where LA, really? and I did a lot of acting. That's right. You did I some had acting. A reading card company, and I, I've done a lot of stuff. But no matter what I did, I always ended up going back to writing songs. Because so, that's been a passion, huh? That, I was put here to write songs, I think. Oh, yeah. 
That's a good feeling. Yeah. You've had songs in movies and TV oh, he, shows. My Cousin Vinny is one of my favorites. You know, that is one of my all-time favorite movies. And when I saw that you had a song in there, what song was that? Well, it's the one that is playing on the radio when the kids are pulled over at the beginning. It's called uh, It Just Takes One. Oh, okay. And... Uh, I cut it upstairs in my little eight-track studio, and believe J.T. Cornfloss, God bless him, was kind of helping me produce. He was a guitar player. He was so wonderful, and mm. uh, they just put what we did in, on that eight-track right in the movie. Really? Yeah. Everything that you produced? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. What a cool story. <laughs> and then also uh, TV shows like Friends, Ed, yeah, they, and what was it? Uh, was Hollywood Wives? Hollywood Wives. Yeah. And that, I was flying with the airlines. I was flying from Miami to L.A. in the middle of the night and reading a Cosmopolitan, and it had a little excerpt from Hollywood Wives in it by Jackie Collins, the mm-hmm. book. Yeah. And I thought, this is such a sleazy piece of grease. <laughs> Somebody's going to buy the rights to this. Yeah. So uh, I jotted down a bunch of lyrics, and <clears throat> when I got back to Nashville... Uh, I wrote it with Jeff Silbar, and I had to kind of scream and yell to get them to, to demo it there at Warner Chapel because they were like, well, who's going to do this? I said, just just do it, just do it. And then I took it to L.A., and <laughs> this is one of the best stories. I I knew, I just knew it was good, and I found out. I, I, I went into Chuck Kay's office. He ran Warner Chapel. Mm-hmm. And on a Monday morning, I just dragged him in his office like a pit bull and said, listen to this song. I just And we were listening to it, and here come a bunch of people in. And it was the Monday morning meeting. And Chuck laughed. He stopped the tape. He said, get her out of here. Get her what she wants. He was laughing. So when it was over, it was George Geem's first day at work. So I followed him to his office. He goes, what do you want, Jan? And I said, I want you to find out who bought the rights to this Hollywood Wives? And he called and he said, okay. He called me back in. He said, Aaron Spelling. Wow. I said, okay. And I, I said, I'll be back. And I walked out and Val Nest was there, right there. And she was a wonderful secretary. I said, Val, can you type a letter for me? She was like lightning. I, she said, sure. I said, okay. On Warner Chapel Stationery, Dear Mr. Spelling, one of our top writers has completed a song we feel captures the essence of Hollywood Wives. Sincerely, George Geem. She gives it to me. <laughs> and I go back in his office and I go, just sign, sign this, George. <laughs> and you see his roll his eyes and he thinks, eh, my boss said, give her what she wants. So he hesitantly signs it. <laughs> and I grab it from him. I go, okay. And I walk back out the door with the letter in one hand, the cassette in the other. And Val goes, what are you going to do now, Jan? I said, I'm going to find Aaron Spelling and give him this. She goes, he's over on Formosa lot. Would you like me to messenger it over to him? I said, oh, Val, would you? Wow. And the next morning, uh, about 11 a.m., I got a call from George. He goes, Jan, you're not going to believe this. And I thought, oh, God, they probably fired me. He goes, Aaron Spelling just called me. They're going to use your song. And <laughs> That wow. TV miniseries. So, you know, Fabulous. I mean, I didn't know you couldn't do stuff like that, so I just did it. That's great. <laughs> Sometimes not knowing is a blessing. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Wonderful. Well, before we get any further, you brought your guitar in nice Takamini here. Yeah. And I'd love to hear you play a little little something for us. We, we do the songs and the story behind these songs. It is the Songwriter Connection. Jan Buckingham is our guest, and it's so nice to have her. Okay. Well, this is a song I wrote with Lorraine Lewis and... Uh, She's in a group called Vixen now, and they were in a big rock group in the 80s, and I just love Lorraine, but we wrote this together out in L.A. What was the rock group, can I ask? I can't remember the name of the the early group, but now they're called Vixen. Vixen. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Let's hear it. (laughs) Oh, Femme Fatale. That was their name. Okay. Just came to me. All right. Blonde, but I ain't dumb. I was born in a small town, grew up fast, born to run. I'm small, but I'm strong. That's the reason why I'm driving down this road I'm on. I got just enough gas to get to Houston, just enough cash to keep on moving, just enough guts to carry me. 
I got just enough friends to throw a party, just enough time to party hardy when it comes to love and all that stuff. I got just enough. I've made my mistakes racing through those yellow lights. I never hit the brakes. Yeah, you egged me on. Don't act so surprised when you realize I'm gone. I got just enough gas to get to Houston, just enough cash to keep on moving, just enough guts to carry me through. I got just enough friends to throw a party, just enough time to party hardy when it comes to love and all that stuff. I got just enough The road that leads to happiness Ain't found in someone else If I'm ever gonna get there Gotta take the wheel myself I got just enough gas To get to Houston Just enough cash To keep on moving Just enough guts To carry me I got just enough friends to throw a party, just enough time to party hardy when it comes to love and all that stuff. I got just enough. I got just enough. I got just enough. Jan Buckingham is our guest. This is the Songwriter <laughs> Connection Podcast. What a great song. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you. Appreciate you very much. As we dig deeper, we find that Jan has written songs for people like Whitney Houston, uh, The Monkees. Oh, my gosh. Who didn't love The Monkees? And Whitney Houston as well. You know, the mon- I had every Monkees record. Which song did you... What did you it's write? It's called Clone of My Own. Clone of My I, Own. I don't remember anything of it except for uh, the chorus, I Want a Clone clone of my own when i go out he could stay home oh yeah when uh he she'd never know that i was gone if i had a clone of Of my own own. that's right (laughs) well that's amazing and then whitney houston song i wrote with david bryant i was standing in a line on magnolia boulevard waiting to go to a little show that this artist was in, that my friend Michael J., uh, he's a big producer, songwriter in L.A., was was doing. And uh, anyway, uh, David was in front of me, and we started talking. What do you do? He goes, I'm a songwriter. I said, oh, so am I. Let's write a song together. And we did, and wow, and that was it. He took it to Clive, and he Clive. said, I think this is a top five, you know. And Clive said, no, you're wrong. It's probably number one. And for two years, it was going to be a duet with Stevie Wonder, Stevie Winwood, all these different wow. people, and mm. Paul McCartney. But for this reason, that reason, another reason, none of that happened. And it ended up being on the B side of, oh, I want to dance with somebody. Her oh, first yeah, single. her first big single. But not on her album. Wow. And then it turned out it was on the Shoop Shoop CD, five-song EP that came out uh, years later with Waiting to Exhale, that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, cool story. Sold two million copies. I'm still waiting for that money. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, we promised not to talk about yeah, the business, yeah, didn't yeah. we? I, I said, yeah. hey, I haven't missed a meal. I don't, I don't need it. Uh, Sometimes, man, it's pretty cruel business. It is. Oh, well. Uh, yeah. But you do it because you love writing songs. I love writing songs. Yeah. And it, it's not for the money because right now, uh, I just had a Ronnie Millsap cut last year. And really? I don't think it was on the main album, but it was on the vinyl. But I haven't seen a penny from that yet. I mean, it's It'll just come. it's tough these days. It is. Napster in 2008 started it, and now yeah, it's streaming did. and everything. Yeah. But... I write for the love of it, so it doesn't matter. I read something recently recently about um, uh, Spotify's um, CEO who is worth like $3 billion oh and pays the songwriters, what, uh, .00048 cents per spin? <laughs> it's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah, and you talk about Ronnie Millsap. He, I, just, he, I just read, oh, and I we, know, we're taping this Joyce. in September. He just lost his wife, yeah, Joyce. Just so sad. Oh. I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. Wow. 
what a great guy and an amazing artist. So how did it start for you, Jen? You come from uh, the St. Louis area, right? Yes, I did. So, and then you... Uh, I was, took piano lessons. I wrote my first song at eight years old. Did you called, really? Oh, Sad Little Bluebird. And, and you remember it. <laughs> I do. I remember I had a little trouble in bass clef when I put the notes on it and drew a little bluebird. I didn't write again till after college. Mm-hmm. After my first divorce, I was singing over in the park across from the Ivanhoe with the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. They were hanging out in in town, and and we were all singing with them. And then when we were done, I was walking home, watching the cracks go by on the sidewalk, and all of a sudden I went, oh, that's right, I'm getting divorced. Oh, I'm really depressed. Wait, I wasn't depressed. What was I doing? Oh, I was singing. And I went home and wrote two songs on a little guitar somebody given me, and that was the beginning, and from then on, I started playing out. First, I played for the cattle out on the farm, you know. Mm. And if they didn't wander away, if they stayed, I knew that was a good song. Cow tested. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a pretty cool story. And then, and then to start playing out, I thought, oh, I really love writing songs. I'm gonna. My brother, Joe Bidewell, was already playing out with uh, this guy named Blake Travis, and they were in Kansas City that weekend. So I said, hey, Joey, I'll go be your manager. And he went, okay, Jan. So I went, and he got laryngitis. Oh. And he he said, you go up there. You play some songs, you know. I was like, well, okay. So I went up, with, closed my eyes, and played a song, and bang, opened my eyes, and they were all, it was like slow motion. They were all clapping. Wow. And I was like, oh, Here's another song. And I was hooked. And I got off the stage and the the manager came up to me from the club and he said, that was pretty good. Would you like to play here next weekend? And I went, oh, I'll have to check my book. And I went and looked at my address book with my knees knocking and I went back to him. I said, oh, yes, I believe I can. And, you know, I practiced all week. I had such bloody fingers. I had to wear Band-Aids on my fingers when I played that next weekend. But by then I was... That was it. And At that got point, you got to be thinking, this is what I was meant to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I just yeah. loved it. And uh, I had gone and seen Maria Moldar play with Freebo and some people up in Woodstock, New York, wow. right after college. And yeah. uh, Not the Woodstock show, right? You're talking about... Well, we were supposed to go on up to Woodstock, but, but I didn't. But in Woodstock, New York, we New stayed York. at Albert Grossman's place. Yeah. Albert Grossman is the one who discovered Janis Joplin and oh, all these man. people. Bearsville? Yeah, right? Is that the Bearsville? Uh, yeah, in yeah. Bearsville. And yeah. I had on the way from New York up to Woodstock, we'd stopped in a little town and I bought the most beautiful accordion from this man for $50. Wow. It had mother of pearl inlaid rhinestones. It's, you'd open that case and it would be like, oh, you know, it'd just be so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, And so we went up to the barn behind Albert's house, and the band was cutting their album up there. Oh, my. Yeah, and band. the keyboard player, the guy with the beard, mm-hmm. he, I said, I just bought an accordion. Would, would you want to look at it? And he goes, sure. So I went back down, I brought it up, and I opened This was a very shy man. And he, I said, play it, please. And he picked it up, and he played a little bit. And then he, oh, he kind of started to put it down. I said, you wouldn't know Satin Doll, would you? <laughs> da, 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 da. And he played that. And he goes, would you mind if I kept this all night and I'll give it back to you in the morning? And I said, okay. And I went up the next morning. He goes, I hope you don't mind. I took it apart. I resoldered all the beeswax. It was mint condition. Wow. So then I gave it to my brother. And my brother wow. played it for years. <laughs> is your brother a songwriter too? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. real good. Joe Bidewell. Joe Bidewell. Yeah. We have to look him up. Yeah. And you do that at home, too. Let's play another song, Jan. I'm dying oh. to hear something else from you. Oh, okay. So I got a sense of humor, as you know, from yes. the Cleopatra song. So <clears throat> after two divorces and many failed relationships, hmm. I think I discovered the pure, sure cure for a broken heart. Pure, sure cure. And it is not liquor. It is not drugs. No. It is not another relationship. The pure, sure cure for a broken heart is what... I wrote about this, and uh, I wrote this with Norm MacDonald. Oh, I love him. He is so good, so funny. So here's this song. I tried so hard to show you that you could be my man. But as I got to know you, 
Nothing turned out like I planned Why you found so much fault with me I'll never understand So go ahead and leave me now I just don't give a damn Gonna get me a dog One that won't talk back When I get home Lay his head in my lap Lie by my side when I take a nap I'll sleep like a log when I get me a dog Gonna get me a dog who's tried and true Who won't complain about things to do When times get tough he'll see me through it all Who needs you? Gonna get me a dog Gonna get me a dog One who loves to play When we go out, he'll never stray He'll take a walk, anytime I say No need to talk, when I get me a dog Gonna get me a dog who's tried and true Who won't complain about things to do When times get tough, he'll see me through it all Who needs you? Gonna get me a dog when I lay down the law, he'll give me his paw. I'll scratch behind his ear, and he'll bring me a beer. Good dog, gonna get me a dog. Maybe from the pound, then I won't miss having you around. We'll eat from cans, two happy hounds, living high on the hall. When I get me a dog. Tried and true, who won't complain about things to do When times get tough, he'll see me through it all Who needs you gonna get me a dog? He can bark all night and I'll love that sound Won't mind him digging in the ground Better than having you around Who needs you gonna get me a dog? The pure, sure, sure. <laughs> I love it. Get you a dog. Especially one that'll get you a beer. I mean, how do you top that? <laughs> Good song. Jan Buckingham is our guest. This is the Songwriter Connection Podcast. Jan, you did some acting, too. Mm-hmm. So I was very curious to, to know more about that. Did you move to L.A. to do that? Yes. Or? Yeah. After my second divorce, mm-hmm. I just had to get away for a while. At this point, do I dare ask how many divorces? Two. Two. Okay. Yeah. So I went to L.A. and I needed to do... I was kind of burnt out on songwriting because I've been writing 10, 2, and 6. Three times a day. just Three a day? Yeah. Man. I just... Wow. I loved it, but... Prolific. um, So, you know, and I was tired of going to BMI, winning something, but then I'd see my ex-husband there with somebody and I'd be with somebody and I just just needed a break. Yeah. So I went to L.A. and uh, decided I would do some acting. So I did, and uh, I was in a lot of sitcoms, you yeah. know, from Fresh Prince to really? Wings, and uh, just a whole bunch of those, and a couple of movies, One Fine Day, Sergeant Bilko, a few things like that. But I found that while I was waiting for them to fix the lighting, you know, you have to <laughs> sit around and wait so much. Yeah, it's a lot I'd of waiting. I'd be writing songs. You'd be writing. You gotcha. know, so eventually I just went back to writing songs. Wow, that's pretty cool. And you've done theater, too. I've seen you, and you still do, don't you? T-Pack? I've seen some, that you've done some shows at T-Pack? No, 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 not really. I, I haven't done a lot of that. I, uh, I did certain things out in L.A., like for William Morris Agency, I did a, a thing. It was will, women in film, and there were three of us that had songs and movies, and we performed one time, but oh, that's, that's cool. not really... Yeah, the theater. I could do a one-woman show. I mean, I could play I bet you for could. four hours and tell stories, but... I just, you know, my friend Karen Knotts, Don Knotts' daughter, you know, Barney Five, yeah. we're good friends, and she's doing a one-woman show right now called Tied Up in Knots. Oh, cool. Her Tied Up Knots. Yeah. That'd be great. And she's been encouraging me for years to do that, but I just haven't gotten around to it. I just like that would be living it after all those years as a flight attendant, waking up in a bed in a different city every night and all. I'm so happy just to be at my house, drive out, do a gig, come home. Wow. That's, 
That's about all I want to do. So your your taste of the road was a little different than than uh, a lot of these DIY artists that just hit the road and just every city in the bus or in the car and they and you're flying all I, around the world. I was on tour for 16 years with Pan wow. Am and Eastern, and that that was enough. And you 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 got to see. I saw the world. Saw the world. Do you have a favorite place of all those that you've been? Yes. Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> I mean, really, this I is love the it. music capital of the world. It is. And, and like I told you earlier, in college, I was Eldridge Cleaver's soul on ice. I was a rebel, but after six months of flying, I was kissing the ground every time we got back to America. Loving America. Even though we got a lot of faults and we're a little crazy right now, mm-hmm. which we were also in the 70s. We were. The Vietnamese War. Pretty People darn crazy. No, you know, but yeah. it was pretty nuts then, too. Yes, it was. But... You know, I was also a real. I'm a realtor in California, Tennessee, and Missouri, but I've retired the licenses. Mm-hmm. But I used to work at Rodeo Realty in L.A., and I loved wow. it. I called it the United Nations because we had people from all over the world who lived in L.A. who became realtors. And first-generation coming to America were... They knew that if they worked hard, they could really get ahead in this country. So it was great working with them. Wow. You know, it really was. And you're talking about high-dollar homes there, aren't you? Pardon me? You're talking about high-dollar homes. You're talking about Rodeo Drive. Oh, yeah. (laughs) My first house I sold for a million four, which was nothing. That's nothing. Oh, and that's today. What does that get in California today? Yeah. Yeah. But still, whoa. I can't imagine today that house is probably what? <laughs> oh my God! I don't know. It was yeah. twenty million, probably twenty million. Yeah, because yeah. that Amazing. was about fifteen, twenty years ago. I did. It's that. just really crazy. So, what brought you to Nashville first? Was it the songs? When I was in Columbia, Missouri, there was this man, this tall carrot of a man with red beard and big spectacles. His name was Lee Ruth, and he played a little mandolin all the time on the corner. He looked down at me through those specs one day and said. I hear you write songs, and I said, yes, I do. He said, you should enter the American Song Festival. You can find an entry form in Rolling Stone. So I did, and oh, my God, the stuff I submitted, they were (laughs) laughable songs, but I got this little booklet. It said, if you write songs, you need to find a publisher. Most of them are in New York, Los Angeles, and Nashville. And Nashville, yeah. Then I was teaching school in Nashville, so I drove down, I mean, in, in Columbia, Missouri, so I drove down to Nashville and uh, started doing that. Mm-hmm. And then what really got it started was I had this friend named Gary who was a pilot, and he had a little airport just west of Columbia. And one time, Gary and I and Chris got in his little airplane, and we were going to fly down to somewhere in the Carolinas, you know, for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was talking to Chris. She was so pretty. And he was letting me kind of fly, steer the plane. And I said, hey, Gary, what's that? And he looked, and we were flying right towards a mountain. And he went, holy cow! And he pulled us away, and we got started bumping and bumping. There was a storm, and oh, it got God. so bad, mm. we had to emergency land in Nashville. And we got in a cab, and we were so shaken up. And I said, take us to a bar, even though I really didn't drink. Hmm. He took us to Possum Holler down there near Printer's Alley, which was George Jones's place. And that Possum night, Holler. George Jones and Tammy Wynette and Emmylou Harris, they were all there. And wow. I ended up, because I was a wow. little dumb, cute, 21-year-old blonde, sitting at their table. And heard Emmy Lou sing, and I was like, wow, that's great. I want to do that. It was like when I heard uh, Maria Muldar sing yeah. up in Woodstock. So I, I, and I was going to leave with these two guys that said, come on, honey, go back to our, our office with us. It was two in the morning. <laughs> and the, the bouncers pulled me aside and said, honey, if you want to do something, don't go with those boys tonight. Wait till tomorrow and go down on Music Row between 10 and four, that's when business takes place. So that's what I did. Good. And, and yeah. then I was going back and forth every chance I got to Nashville. So, so it, the uh, the flight that scared the devil out of you. Made me land where I was supposed to be. Isn't and that then something? I married the second ex down in Atlanta, and I met Jerry Wood, who was editor-in-chief of Billboard at the time. Mm. And he told me about a farm for sale. 
And I went and met Mr. Price and negotiated with him and bought it for 8% simple interest back when interest was 18% back in those days. Mm -hmm. And my ex and I moved to that farm. And so then I was in Nashville playing in the vault at the soundstage, you know, or play, you know, playing in the office between Buddy Killen and Donna Hilly over at Tree, just wherever I could. Wow. You know, and then stuff started getting cut. <laughs> that is pretty cool. More on that in just a little bit. I want to talk about your publishing deal and uh, how that all worked out for you. But let's hear another song. Um, oh. Got, you got another one in yeah, there? Yeah, I do. Uh, here's one that uh, I really like. I was, oh, and Lunch in the City of Your Choice, folks. Whoever mm. can get this to Jimmy Buffett or oh, good. one of these people for me. This is one of those kind. Okay, yeah. great, man. Wow. <clears throat> On the day you left me I was one lost soul But I found my salvation Down the aisle at Trader Joe's A fifth, some chips, some salsa And I was out the door Then one tequila, two tequila Three Jimmy Buffett doing that song. Oh, Absolutely. Oh, from your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> and I've heard you do that song out, and uh, you get everybody screaming that uh, along with you. Yeah, they, tequila, sing, two tequila. they sing it with me. Three tequila, four. They all do. Yeah, you know you got to hit when that happens. That's yeah. for sure. You have been such a great mentor to so many young uh, songwriters and artists in this town. Jane, you must get a lot of uh, oh, pleasure I out of that, too. I love working with the kids, and the ones that come to me that they're usually smart ones mm-hmm. like Kirsten Hedden he just had his first single now he's been here five or six years and, mm. and uh, it's uh, You're Not Gone is the name of it and it's got over a hundred thousand streams That's and it's on WSM the other day so I'm so happy for him Wow! and Sarah Mae Chilton I love she's Sarah. like southern mm-hmm. glitter pop queen you yes. know, she's kind of pop but a little country she sings down at Tootsie's and a places a lot of places lot. down there so yeah. she's really uh, I've got to get her on this show I really yeah she, you should she, she's she just fabulous and you know she can put on heels and pearls and mm-hmm. be a bank person a loan officer she she ran an H&R block thing she's left brain right brain wow. super smart wow and um, she's put out her first album I got a bunch of songs on it and it's really good so that's I'm great. just cheering those kids on oh yeah yeah 
That's fantastic. Now, I wanted to talk about your publishing. Do you have a story about the song that got your publishing deal? I don't remember. Don't remember. <laughs> but I was, uh, I had a deal with Warner Chapel, then I divorced the second ex, and so I had another deal with him. Then when that deal was up, uh, I went to Lorimar, then I was at Windswept Pacific. Wow. Some other publishing company for six months, I can't remember, had to sue and get my songs back because they were kind of not really? right. Oh. And then I started my own, Duck House Music. Duck House Music. About 30 years ago, and uh, you know, it... If you have all your publishing, you really make a little bit more. Yes, you so. do. Because, and if you're not familiar, if you're a songwriter just starting out, you know, a publisher will take half, right? So. Well, they, they, yeah, they would take half. I split publishing with them. Mm-hmm. I kept half. Did you? Good. Because my second ex, Steve Buckingham, I learned a lot from him. And he told me, if you're serious about this business, you'll get and read this business of music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's published every year. And yeah. I did. The front half is a chapter on publishers, a chapter on record companies, a chapter, you know. The second half is nothing but contracts. And I'd have to read some paragraphs three times to understand because, you know, sometimes a paragraph would be one sentence. But heretofore means from now on, you know, so pretty soon I understood the business and that helped me a whole lot. So that's I negotiated cool that, my own deals. I had attorneys, but just there were say. several times that I negotiated my deals before the attorneys got there. Wow! And yeah, so <laughs> that's yeah. good. So you know, and, and usually, but that's what I, was, I mean. There's there's two halves of a song, right? In when you're when you're talking about royalties, the writers. Half. The writer's share and the publisher's and the publisher. share. So and it's like a pie, and you right. own both halves unless you decide to give part of it. To a publisher, mm-hmm. and if you haven't had any credits, you might give them all your publishing or half the song. Yeah, but if you, you know, if if you were kind of like me, <laughs> you'd kind of talk them into just taking half Smart. the publishing. And if you're Michael Jackson, you would just get they'd administer for five percent. Wow! Instead of twenty five percent or fifty percent, because they'd make so much just on five percent. So then, if you were Michael Jackson, you'd take all that money and buy the Beatles catalog. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. Um, so, <clears throat> when you have a publisher like that, so you're writing three times a day, you're turning in songs. How often? Uh, uh, say a do, do you have to turn in a song like every every day, well, I would, every week? Well, no, I would turn in the ones that I want to demo. It's like. What I would do, I would do market testing. And the way I would do it, when I was flying, I'd take a cassette with me with maybe six or eight songs on it. Mm-hmm. And after the meal service, I'd sit down and talk, start talking to a passenger. I'd say, oh, my friend. I'd never say it was my songs. I'd say, my friend wrote some songs. Would you want to hear them and tell me which ones you like the best? And That's see, smart. because they weren't saying to me, like it's they could say, oh, I hate that song or I really like that one. And I'd keep... A, a list and the no song kidding. that they like the most I demo that one for sure and I'd wow. play it for strangers and I'd play it for people I knew and I that's how I would decide what because it's hard to tell when you write them all what your best song is so yeah. I would because you're too my, close to them sometimes too close yeah. so I would do my little market testing that is so cool and you know radio <laughs> stations did that you know and still do it here they'll, yeah. they'll do that market testing and you had your own that is really brilliant I'm a Missouri I'm from St. Louis so I'm a Missouri mule and I've got common sense and that <clears> just to me seemed like you know very that was common brilliant. sense thing to do that is awesome brilliant <laughs> well how about another song I'm ready for yet another oh okay okay well, I'm gonna do this song I always tell people before I play it, you know, they, they like, especially uh, Debbie Champion introduces me as a hit songwriter. Yeah. She'll start listening, and I'll put my hands like time <laughs> stopper, you know, and I'll go, I'll tell the audience, when you've had as many hit songs as I've had, you too can drive a 1993 Honda Civic. <laughs> because I still drive that car. My brother got it for me a long time ago, and I love it. It's a little stick. and. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun to drive. So I, you know, I've had a lot of hits, but I've had a lot of misses. And mm. I'm going to play the biggest miss I ever had. The song was cut by Tim McGraw, but it was before he got his deal. Uh-huh. Cut by Jerry Lee Lewis's daughter, and I, I don't think she got a deal. Cut by tons of independents, but they never made it to the radio. Finally, Juice Newton cut it. 
She had a deal. It was her single. It was racing up the charts when her record company folded. Folded. So, oh. it's still my song, but it ain't over. <laughs> it ain't over. You <laughs> and never maybe know. Maybe somebody will hear it when you know, because I'm gonna play it now. They there might you go. Hear it on your broadcast. You never know. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Here we go. Well, she left St. Louis in a Pontiac Tempest Had a road map open, red line through to Memphis He was smoking down the highway in a blue Cadillac He smiled as he passed her and she smiled back So they made a little stop at the Dove Cafe To drink black coffee while the hours away She said, I'm going to see Elvis make my dreams come true He said, I can't believe it, that's been my dream too Then they started talking about the money they'd save If they rode together for the rest of the way But they stopped to throw a penny in a wishing well And set out in the yard of a local motel They never made it to Memphis They never saw the king He saw a chance at heaven so he went in green. They got as far as the altar. It was a fast affair. They never made it to Memphis, but they didn't care. Couldn't understand where the time had flown It was 1990 and the kids were grown One day she admitted that she still had the dream By heading down south to see the home of the king So they dropped off the dog with old Auntie Kate Headed down to Graceland 20 years late Well, as soon as they hit that open road Every twist and turn reminded them of long ago He was thinking about the kisses that he used to steal It was getting real hard to keep his hands on the wheel She looked as good to him now as she did back then And they were sweet 16 all over again They never made it to Memphis They never saw the king They made a little detour Dairy Queen They found the Wishing Well Motel They did it on a dare They never made it to Memphis But they didn't care They never made it to Memphis But they didn't care Jan Buckingham, our guest on Songwriter Connection Podcast. Again, so good to have you here. You know, I'm, you. I want to talk about three songs here. These are some of your big hits. And um, I'll just say a, a title and an artist, and maybe you could just give us a few words about each one. Does that okay. sound okay? Yeah. Let's start with, I remember this big hit, uh, Nice Girls by Melissa Manchester. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember who I wrote it with. I think my second ex... And another guy who's really good, but I, I just, I don't remember. Don't remember the swatch. process. Mm-hmm. But um, when we were writing it, there were two nice girls by that title on the charts. Wow. And they were not going to do it. And I said, hey, you can't copyright a title. Those will be gone. So our song is Nice Girls, parentheses, think a lot about it, in uh-huh. the parentheses, because that makes our title different from the other two so that we can collect our money. There you go. <laughs> Melissa Manchester's big hit. Um, you know, I remember playing this on the radio a lot, uh, Between Two Fires, Gary Morris. What oh. a great voice Gary Morris had. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that he was the first one to do Wind Beneath My Wings. I remember playing that as a hit. But I remember this one too, Between Two Fires, you wrote that. Yeah, and uh, who did I write that with? Was it Sam Lorber and J.D.? Martin, I think. Mm. God, I'm so bad. I'm putting you on this spot. I apologize. That was written when I was just about to divorce the second ex, Mm. 
And there was another boy I kind of liked, so that was the Between Two Fires. Between Two Fires. Mm -hmm. That's where it came from. Yep. Neat. And here's another one. I always was a fan of of Van Stevenson, who later on went into Black Hawk, and then we we lost him in the early 2000s. Uh, due to melanoma, it's just it's just terrible. But a great guy and a great singer. And he had a great song, Modern Day uh, Delilah. Yeah. And you wrote oh, that. Oh, I yeah. love that. I wrote most of those lyrics on the airplane, thinking about hairdressers. And wow. I have a good Bible background, so mm-hmm. you know, kind of did a little of that in there, too. And uh, Van and I just had a great chemistry for writing. Did you? I yeah. Because you wrote a few songs with him, oh, right? Oh, a lot of songs. I yeah. know who you are and I saw what you did and mm. uh, just one that's not on that album, Paris, Tennessee, that's a nice song and uh, there's just a bunch of them, you know. So. If someone were to hold a gun to your head and say, what is your favorite song you ever written? Could you, could you answer it? It would be like, <clears throat> which finger do you like the best? Yeah. I, I can't tell Couldn't do that. it. No. Yeah. I, I get it. I understand. They're like children, aren't they? They're like yeah, they're, each they're one. they're like, and, and they're, when I play certain songs, they take, like, um, you know, one good, real good thing came out of my second divorce was Tennessee Nights, because it got cut by Pam Tillis and mm-hmm. Crystal Gale. And, and Crystal Gale. But every time I play it, without the pain, I relive... What I saw in my mind on all those lines, and I was out at the farm when I wrote that. Shauna Harrington and I wrote that, and we had the uh, music and the chorus done, but then the words, it took another year or two as I went Sometimes through the Sometimes it takes time. Uh, yeah, for yeah. It to get finished. I always tell a lot of the young guys I work with, listen, you get on stage, you're going to play this song in three and a half minutes, okay? Yeah. But But it could take... A year or two to get yeah, it right. Yeah. And let's get it right first. And then I review it and relive it every yeah. time I sing it. But without the pain, it's just like looking at it like it was a play. Yeah. You know? Well, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Absolutely. I got a, a memory <clears throat> that just popped into my head uh, that I'll share with you. Lee Rusconi. I love him. He's, uh, oh, I love Lee. I've known him for a lot of years. And, God, is he a great player. Oh, he is. And we're going to have him on the show, too. Promised oh, him. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great player. And uh, he, he does a lot, a lot of lot for young artists in this town because he, he hosts these uh, songwriter nights too I around. I play a lot for him at the Maxwell House. And I did too. Soon. Yeah. And one day I get a text from Lee. He goes, hey, putting together a Broken Spoke reunion. And we've probably talked about the Broken Spoke a few times on this show, but it was an iconic songwriter uh, yeah, venue here in, in Nashville. Day, back in the day. Back in the day. Everybody. Like Tim McGraw played there. And, uh, you know, a lot, I mean, it was just big. It's closed now. Unfortunately, they tore it down. But but Lee uh, Lee really did a lot there, you know. So, cause we're, and every year he would host this Broken Spoke reunion. He'd bring all these big songwriters yeah. that, that yeah. played there. And, and boy, you'd have a big, big songwriter, big stars, you know. Um, and so he texts me, he goes, would you play in a round for the Broken Spoke reunion. And I'm texting him back, and I'm like, now, do I tell him that I never played the Broken Spoke? <laughs> and I, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Lee, I never played the Broken Spoke. He says, okay, you play here all the time. I want you to be a part of it. And so I said, all right, I'm there. And I was just like 10 feet tall that day, and I'm only five foot nothing. Um, <laughs> so I get there, and he goes, yeah, we're going to put you up there next. You're going to play with Jan Buckingham. And I went, Really? <laughs> Did we do that? And we played together. See, I got no memory. I don't remember two hours <laughs> well, ago. Well, I'll never forget. So, oh, my gosh. But it was wonderful. Oh, my gosh. And I think that was the first time I, I, I'd met. I know you were, but I think it was the first time I met you. And I was like, yeah, play with oh, Jim again. So that was fun. Yeah. yeah, I played there so long ago that I just, yeah, I, I don't remember what I played, but I think it's before I really had much success. Way back. Way back at the uh, Broken Spoke yeah. days? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And those must have been incredible days. My goodness. Yeah. The people. I uh, met Curly Putman over at, oh my. you know, at Tree. And Cur- Curly Putman. Now, you right know what? If you're him. not familiar with that name, Google it. I mean, he's he's on a couple of songs that you... He you, stopped loving her. That's right. Green, green grass of home. D-I-V-O-R-C-E, you know. Yeah. With, uh, with Bobby Braddock. With Bobby Braddock, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, and he's got a great book. Have you ever read his book, Life on the Road? No, I it's haven't, fabulous but I book. want to. Yeah, I, great you book. know, if you just read Bobby's blogs and the stuff he posts, sometimes yeah. he'll post on Facebook. Brilliant. They're really long, and I just love reading them. I it's, do, too. 
Yeah. He's just great. And he makes you feel like you're right there, you know, yeah. uh, living it. So yeah. uh, anyway, life on the road. I, and I, <clears throat> hey, I digress. But uh, how about we end it with another song? I can't remember how many we've played, but I'd well, still love to played, hear another. Well, here's one. This is a sad song. Uh-huh. And it's a new song, but it <clears throat> sounds like I wrote it 40 years ago. You oh. know, it's like old school. I love that. But uh, it, I believe it's real good. And if somebody like Chris Stapleton gets a hold of it lunch in the city of your choice if you get it to Chris <laughs> there you yeah. go Jan Buckingham has been our guest we're going to take you out with this song right what's it called it's called I don't love you anymore I don't love you kind anymore tongue in cheek one alright Jan Buckingham thank you so much for being on our show I don't love you anymore I wish that I could say I do But this bottle on the floor Is a damn good substitute It don't tell me that I'm wrong And it takes away the pain It helps to keep me strong Waiting on the phone to People say I got a heart of stone Cause these days I spend my time alone I shove the world away when I get home Cut the lights and bolt the door And lately people say I drink too much But who the hell are they to sit? I have to do what I do because I don't love you anymore. Wish I could sleep my life away and never have to think of you and never miss the light of day from the darkness of my room. I'll light another cigarette And drop the ashes on the floor I'm trying hard not to forget That I don't love you anymore People say I got a heart of stone Cause these days I spend my time I shove the world away when I get home Cut the lights and bolt the door And lately people say I drink too much But who the hell are they to sit and judge? I have to do what I do Because I don't love you anymore I have to do what I do because I don't love you anymore. Mm, that's a good one, Jan. Love it. Thank you. Hit material. Sad, sad song, but mm. yeah, it, it's a good character study. It, it really is. We need more of that in country music today. I really think we do. <laughs> Tell that to Chris Stapleton. <laughs> <laughs> and I love him. And I love that you've been on our show. Thank you so much. I hope you'll join us Thank next time. You. And I hope that you at home will go right to discoversooner.com and discover what they're all about. All right? Do that for me. And Jan, we'll see you around. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also, listen to Dave Lanahan's Nashville Connections radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection.